Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, the nation's top infectious disease expert is testifying to Congress from his own home where he is self-quarantining and virtue signaling. He's definitely virtue signaling. That's all right. I saw some of the images and I saw some of his fear-mongering comments where he said that there's going to be needless suffering and death and how the states are reopening too early and they're putting us all in jeopardy. And the Rand Paul actually challenged him a little bit, said he's not the only expert that that we have to lean on. There's people on the other side of the debate, too. Really? Yeah. And did he he, he just... Is there going to be a follow-up to this, do you think? Is he going to have to answer Rand's challenge, or was it just a kind of... Well, he did jump in. He was sparring. He was, they were about to, he was about to go off his little Zoom call, and then he was like, if I have another minute, I have another minute to respond. And he responded to Rand, where he just said he doesn't claim to be the end-all, be-all truth to everything. That's the gist of it, basically. But, but he does. Yeah, he I does. Mean, kind of. All these people... <laughs> You think about it. You got Mueller, you got Comey, you got Fauci now. All these new frontmen that are rotated out during these new crisis events are all these old deep state members from decades ago. Even Bill Barr. Yeah, Bill Barr also. So Trump, uh, Trump say also had... Can I say one yeah. more thing about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting that we are getting a demonstration of virtual usefulness in every in a bunch of different sectors. We see SNL doing it on television. Here's how you do a comedy show. We see the news doing it. Here's how you do a news show. We see education. Here's how you do education. Now we're seeing testimony virtually. It, it's just it's interesting that they want to show off that it can be done maybe to get us used to it. I don't know. Yeah, and there's definitely something going on about how those people are really above it all so that they haven't been home. They have they haven't been not going to work. They haven't been wearing masks like those people on the podium. They they did start to do that, but they took their time. And then I saw it today. It was I was annoyed by this. Maybe it was last night. The headline was newsman calls out another news guy for mask shaming for mask shaming. So what do you think happened? Well, what does that sound like to you? One newsman called out an- another newsman <laughs> for mask shaming. But what's mask shaming? Mask shaming is when you do your civic duty and you shame people who aren't wearing mask into That's wearing exactly masks. That's exactly what it was. See, I thought that he was mask shaming like some, some a-hole conservative was saying to somebody else, take your mask off. You know, like, that's what they have. They have these drive-by protesters saying, take your mask off. I'm not listening to you till you take your mask off. Like, anybody really cares what somebody else does who's in that side of the thing. But, yes, it was the NBC guy, John... Is it John Roberts? Is that who it was? He... He was uh, not wearing a mask. And an ABC guy took a picture of it and put it on Twitter and said, everybody, everybody's wearing a mask except for one guy who isn't wearing a mask. And the, the John Roberts guy was like, I was, I was respectful six feet away. I put my mask on right after. So he did actually pay lip service to the mask thing anyway. But it was the guy who wanted him to ma- wear a mask who was shaming him for not wearing a mask. You know what I mean? It was, the, it was a Karen thing. It wasn't a Bubba thing. There you go. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. <laughs> so, yeah. So what happened in Trump's presser yesterday? 
He had an hour-long presser yesterday, and then at the very end of it, he was asked a question about why he is always talking about how America is number one in the testing and they're doing so well in the testing, despite the fact that the reason he's saying that is because he's gotten constant questions about how come you're failing at testing? How come you're doing terrible at testing when other countries are doing good? So the response is going to be, look how good we're doing now compared to these other countries. So the question was more of an attack with a question mark attached to the end of it. And she basically say, why are you doing this when there's all these people dying? People are dying and you're sitting here bragging about us being the best. Why are you doing this? And Trump responded by saying, why don't you ask China? And after he said that, the female reporter pulls her mask off to reveal to everyone in the camera to make sure that they all know that she is, in fact, Chinese. She didn't She's do that. She's an American of Asian descent, or was she actually... Had she was accent? born in China, but she grew right. up in West Virginia. She's a CBS <laughs> reporter, and he's had some conflict with her before, but Trump has responded the same way to these types of questions at these press conferences. He has consistently said, ask China, China this, China that. He's pointing the blame over at China. So for him to do that continue doing the same thing he's doing yet because an asian person asks a question all of a sudden it's the most racist thing in the world and all the reporting ignores the first 55 minutes of the rose garden conference and focuses on the last 30 seconds of course well i have been pretty disturbed because i I was reading through this foreign policy article. It's like really hard for me to read stuff that's like so offensive, like the other side. Yeah. The propaganda like drives me crazy. But this thing, foreign policy, it, it isn't foreign affairs, with which is the CFR guys, but it's pretty close. I don't know who's behind it, but it's similar. And they asked, I talked about this yesterday. They asked the experts what what was what was the post Corona world's going to look like, whatever. And and yesterday, I'd only read one of them. But as I read through more and more of them today, it keeps talking about a China-centered world, that China handled this better, that China, that because we are blocking China off trade-wise, because Trump is an isolationist, in the emergent order, not everybody had the same view, but this was a recurring theme. China was going to be the new center of the world, the new economic center. And and as I see what's happening with our bailouts and stuff like that and the what they're doing to our economy, they are shaking out the kind of small America-only businesses. And the places that are going to remain standing, not going to be bankrupt, are going to be the ones who can really plug into the global supply chain. The policy changes are going to be to support that global supply chain. Our wages, although they are plummeting, we are still going to have like tons of people unemployed. We are really getting third worlded. We are in decline. We have been forced to go into decline as China stands in front of the world as this kind of fascist, technocratic, totalitarian state that can handle global crises because it's not burdened with democracy. But I just wanted to make a couple of points about how we are being third worlded like overnight. So there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. The headline was hopes for a speedy recovery dim. Now, I never had hope for a speedy recovery. I, I have begun to realize that they're not going to just open the doors. This isn't going to snap back when they say we can't get back to normal till we have a good vaccine and that'll take 18 months. I'm beginning to think they don't even want a good vaccine. This happens to be a handpicked disease that 
by some coincidence, is the hardest thing to vaccinate for. The coronavirus vaccines that they've worked on in the past are the ones that have this crazy immune enhancement thing. So I think you're going to have not a great vaccine. It's not going to be taken widespread. People are saying they're not going to take it. And that's going to give them them an excuse to just basically depress us for years. And this article talked about years of social distancing to come. And when I think about what they said that we had this, we wanted to flatten the curve. And this thing had a two week incubation period. Places like California that have been literally locked down for two months. Where are these cases still coming from if that concept has any validity at all? This should have been a two-week thing. Everybody stays inside. You know, it's just going on and on. It's obviously not for that purpose. But what's happening is we're going to have fewer jobs, lower wages. We're going to have this UBI, the universal basic income. We're going to have Medicaid. We're having. We're going to have changed diets. They're really going to start pulling, reducing the amount of meat we get. And that is like the sign of a Western economy that the people are well-fed, well-nourished and healthy because they have this really robust, high quality nutrition. I mean, that's what that's what it's it's all about. And the one thing that did this that made me realize it before all of this started, this one thing is that I started noticing Aldi supermarkets. Have you seen them yet? Aldi supermarkets, they're blue A-L-D-I. Oh yeah, I've known of Aldi for a long time. Yeah, they're a European supermarket chain. And when I, I believe it's European, but it's not American. And when I was growing up, my father would always say, this country, look at these supermarkets. Like, you know, people in Russia, like they stand for hours on lines to try to get their stuff. And then I was in the Costco a couple of days in a row. My husband went one day, I went the next day. The first day he said there was no meat. So he bought toilet paper. I went because he didn't get paper towels and they had tons of meat and no paper towels, no paper products at all. So I remember I've been to Russia a couple of times and I talked to those the tour guides there and they were saying when they were young, they all said the same thing. You would find out when a store had meat or toilet paper or shoes and then everyone would go and wait online at that store. So you went to the store to get what they had, not to get what you wanted. And then, so so that's what what is my experience. We've got this USSR-ing of our retail experience at the same time that we started to introduce European supermarkets into this country. When I saw that really, like however many years ago, uh, really proliferated the past couple of years, I thought, wow, when American supermarkets, which really are the iconic example of what made America's consumer society so comfortable and rich and easy is being crowded out by the European model. Granted, they copied us more than we copied them, but I just thought that was a bad sign. And I think that's that's what we're... I, I really, with that and the fact that we've got these trillion, trillion, trillion dollar deficits and reduced taxes, you know, to, because of the wages, everything down, Trump wants to cut the payroll taxes. Like the amount of debt is going to be... Uh, so insane. I really think that this is it. Like, like America is, is the number two from now on. Brzezinski writes in that book from 2012, Mika Brzezinski's father, he's dead now, but he does write about the strategic maneuvering of the East to kind of overtake the West as, or at least rival the West as a new world dominant power. But if you look at what Rockefeller said, he said he wanted to rise up the east and push down the west to make that happen and he actually did that 
Yeah. That's so like when you watch the Corbett thing on China, he talks all about how Rockefeller actually and Nixon, a Republican, opened China. So he didn't open North Korea, open China. And that's how you build that stuff up. Yeah, they're definitely putting in some things that are changing the American way of life, the culture overall. And I don't think everybody quite realizes it yet. I think it's starting to sink in a little. But I think the more this goes on, the more this seems normal, then the less the old normal will will want to reemerge or be able and to. Our birth rate in this country will plummet. Our birth rate will plummet. That's what they want. And if you don't have the money to have kids, that's why Europe, Europe has such a low birth weight. That's what I birth rate. I think that's what socialism does to you. Kids are just expensive, pain in the neck. They just and they and plus the vaccine will probably have sterilization qualities. So does all the pollution, everything. I just feel like watch out for an already low birth rate to go even lower. Yeah. Another China related story that I noticed yesterday, a former Emory professor pleads guilty to not reporting income from China on tax returns. This Emory professor was sentenced on federal charges after admitting that he earned thousands of dollars from China for research projects, and he didn't report them. His name is Exio Lang Li, and he was working for Emory's back in 2011 when he was working for Emory, and he was also employed by the Thousand Talents Program, the Chinese Thousand Talents Program, which is also known by some as the Thousand Treason Program. It's a talent recruitment initiative funded by the Chinese government. And this professor was researching hunting, Huntington's disease in large animals for Emory. And according to the U.S. attorney, at the same time, he was working for two Chinese universities, the Chinese Academy of Sciences and Yinghang University doing research on the exact same thing. And during that time, he was paid $500,000 from China for his research. And the FBI and other federal institutions have been talking a lot over the past couple of years, and especially the past six months or so, about the threat of Chinese espionage through this very program. And I believe the Harvard professor was also a part of this program, the Harvard professor that got busted for his ties to China. Hmm. So... The Chinese-American rivalry is heating up for sure. Yes, and I, I do believe that it's it's not just for show. It's not just propaganda. I think that this we are transitioning to a China-centric world and that all the years of Trump like focusing us on China and being all pissy about it was the prelude to this, that there's going to be a conflict and they're going to win. Yeah. So go, go Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I want to take a little break and then well, I'll tell you what's next after the break. Today's show is brought to you by Neighbors Feed and Seed. While other states like Michigan have deemed seed suppliers to be non-essential businesses, that's not the case here in Georgia. And with a lot of us spending more time at home than usual right now, there's no better time to get all of your gardening needs taken care of. And if you're anything like me, then you don't know how to grow a thing in your yard, but you want to learn. Neighbors Feed and Seed has a knowledgeable staff that will give you fantastic advice on how to grow anything. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of. And the best part about it is that they are locally owned by a fantastic group of people. So if you're in the Smyrna area, stop by Neighbors Feed and Seed and say hello. Or check out their website at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. And tell them the Propaganda Report sent you. Yeah, so I wonder, I mean, I still think it's a Cold War with an easy transition because what's who cares 
why would they need the pandemic if they were going to have a hot war? But what you were telling me about NORAD was kind of makes me wonder. Maybe there, maybe it's a civil war, civil unrest that they're worried about. They're certainly egging us on to that. Yeah, there's some interesting things going on. NORAD, there's Cheyenne Mountain Fortress. It's back in business. It's the bunker deep below the Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado, I believe. The Pentagon reactivated this underground as a backup to the Homeland Security headquarters for the COVID-19 purposes. It's, they did it for this crisis, and Cheyenne Mountain is... It's a continuity of government planning bunker. And they've reactivated these types of bunkers, some of them in undisclosed locations around the country, and they're sending military to go work out of these bunkers. These are like windowless bunkers. They have winding tunnels underneath the mountains. There's conspiracy theories of alien corpses and Sasquatch being down there in these. They've been shut down for a while, but there's a lot of intrigue and mystery around these bunkers. And they were built originally to withstand a nuclear attack. It's Back. the Doctor Strangelove thing. Remember yeah. Doctor Strangelove? They were underneath there yeah. planning for the nuclear attack. And like by the end of it, they were kind of into it. <laughs> Might be some of that going on. Now it's finally getting its use to protect the country from an external threat. Although that external threat is COVID-19, which has reopened these. I just found that very interesting because this continuity of government planning if they're really going full force on something and they're opening up these bunkers and they're really planning for something to happen, something just might happen. I don't know what. It might, but it's not going to be the novel coronavirus because I wanted to reiterate to people, they just can't seem to understand this. And I've tweeted the, I've tweeted the links out a couple of times. I'll keep tweeting them. Just tweeted them again that the CDC death data, total death certificates filed in this country to date this year are the same, no, on average, as from what I could tell, which was pretty, I could drill down to the numbers pretty darn well, that the weekly average so far during the coronavirus thing of deaths, total deaths in this country is the same, if not maybe even a little bit lower than the same period last year. There is no increase in deaths. So to the extent that malpractice is increasing some deaths and not doing anything is decreasing some deaths, whatever, the net impact seems to be absolutely nothing, zero zip. So I'm, I just, whatever they want to cook up, I don't think it's going to be a virus. Yeah, I think I saw something yesterday and I don't remember the full details, but they were, looked like they were about to start a narrative that the number of deaths are increasing overall compared to last year. They keep saying 80,000 people have died in this country so far of the thing, but that just, first of all, that would be 10% of all the deaths to date in this country would be, and, I, and I'm not in light slice, but surprised they're attributing the deaths to that. But that exact number must be taken out of the other deaths. I mean, it's the same story we've told before, but there's one parallel. Uh, I want to, we can, I can talk a little bit about what the Fed is doing to the extent you're interested or the stimulus bill or any of that kind of like uh, nitty gritty stuff. But one thing I did want to point out that the 2000, I keep, I kept talking about like the 2008 financial crash, the housing market bubble, all that kind of stuff. And this reminds me of that. It's worse than that. They kicked the can down the road and this is where we are. And it's all an extension of that. And I remembered and I can't, I can't find, I wasn't doing a very good job searching, but 
I couldn't find validation of this anywhere, except for somebody told me to buy Tom Wood's book, Meltdown, which I did. And when I get it, I will read it. But I remember Hank Paulson, the Treasury Secretary at the time, I believe it went in this order. He let Lehman fail while bailing out other banks just to create a a super uh, intense feeling of financial collapse. That's my recollection of how I perceived it at the time. Although everybody's like, oh, that was just a mistake. He just made a bad decision. But then I think even then, people did not have an appetite for a bailout. It's kind of like when we Japan said, we'll, we'll, we will give you unconditional surrender, except we need the emperor on the throne. And they said, okay, we're dropping a nuclear bomb. So we dropped the nuclear bomb and they said, yeah, we're still not giving you the emperor. So, so we're going to drop another bomb. They dropped another bomb. And they said, well, we're still not giving you the emperor. And then they had no more bombs. So Japan still has an emperor. But anyway, so it was a similar thing in that they're like the Lehman Brothers bomb went off. And people were like, we're still not surrendering. We don't want the bailout. Then Paulson went to, I think he went, it was in Congress where he made the speech, might have been someplace else, but he just literally panicked the market. You could see the stock market crashing as he was talking, which is not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to do the opposite. They're supposed to say, hey, look, we have the biggest government in the world that ever existed. We can print money. We can raise taxes. This is not going to be a problem. But instead, he completely crashed the market. And then you got those insane, gigantic trillion dollar bailouts. Then, so I kept referring to the 2008 thing as being like this housing market bubble. The way they're going to talk about this bailout as being a result of a crash that happened because of a of a bug of a virus. This crash happened because of an intentional policy decision to bring down the markets to panic everybody. Powell did the same thing. The markets went down when he came out and said that he was going to lower interest rates because he was expressing panic. So that's how they had to do it last time. And that is how they're doing it this time. And I still think the whole thing is about that bailout. Possibly so. There are some new job opportunities cropping up that we have talked about a little bit in the past couple of weeks, like contact tracing. Well, now you can get your contact tracing education for free via the John Hopkins free contact tracing course. It's a five-hour online course created by John Hopkins, the Bloomberg School of Public Health. That's interesting. And this could be become the backbone of the country's contact tracing program. It's taught by a scientist at John Hopkins, and it will cover how you talk to people, how you express empathy. They give an example. One way to express empathy when you're doing contact tracing is you say to them, I hear you. I hear you. That must be difficult. Very programmatic type things are talking about there. However, this program is going to be a prerequisite for being a contact tracer in New York. And I went and looked at some of the, the curriculum within it. And it looks to me like they're basically making virus evangelists. They're like making virus evangelists. They're telling them all about the virus, stuff that these people will not go independently verify. It will be programmed into their mind and then they will go out and they will spread this disinformation to these people they're contact tracing with, further spreading fear along with threats of the virus. So I found that an indoctrination program has been created. And it will serve Cuomo's army. Well, he literally said he was going to create an army of contact tracers. There you go. Free (laughs) right there.
Free college is what that is. <laughs> yeah, well, there, the stimulus bill that's coming out is going to have college loan relief, rent relief, mortgage relief. It's going to have $750 billion for state and local governments. The GOP is pushing back on this because they're saying that the, those places are going to use it to shore up like already bankrupt pensions and stuff. But uh, Pelosi wants to make sure that, you know, all these people who are suffering get relief. But it's all of this stuff is being applied so unevenly. It's absolutely maddening. It's clearly designed for social engineering processes, just further the gutting of the middle class. It's literally even like the lower middle class, like the lower working class is making less. And the lower, lower class who's like making below $15 an hour is making more. And the upper class is upper middle class, which is like the working class. The most productive working class is getting none of it. I mean, it's just the most re- – well, it's it's progressive in that way in the kind of tax rates and stuff like that as it affects the hierarchy of the working class itself. It's regressive in in the disempowerment of the lower classes who can't shore up against this stuff. But the whole thing is very deliberate and unfair. And, uh, and Schumer, of course, is – banging the table like this is it is outrageous to keep people like this for so long i can't see the the quote but he of course wants to usher in all these government solutions when in fact these are the guys who are calling for more economic damage more they're criticizing trump and everybody else for not doing more but the more that you did for this dumb thing the worse it all was getting but of course the government created the problem and now they want to deliver the solution yeah and that stimulus bill, Indivisible and other groups, I'm sure Pelosi is involved as well, rejecting it. They're saying, call your Congress people, tell them to reject the new stimulus bill until it includes A, B, C, D, and E. And A, B, C, D, and E is just universal health care, universal basic income, all the most extreme socialist communist ideals that they push all the time, just using this crisis to try and push them. It has some of that health care stuff in it. It wants relief for people who got laid off and lost, lost their health care. I think I read something like 20 states are expanding Medicaid. So they are... They're just using this to usher in that like total socialization of society. I mean, there will be a UBI. And, you know, you got to watch it because Henry Kissinger called those people the useless eaters. They're creating masses of useless eaters. And I think short of actually having a war to send that fodder into, which they might still be planning, who knows, they will certainly try to make sure that those people don't reproduce one way or another. Yeah. Indivisible today actually is protesting the state reopening policies. So we now are seeing the counter to the protest of the shutdown. We're seeing the protest of the reopening now. Never just ends. As a, Do it. No, just as a sign. I think I said it yesterday on the page of 15, but the, the, the government's going to come out with a 20-year bond. There are 30-year bonds already, which are trading at 1.43% interest rates, which is extremely low. 30-year bonds, you're getting 1% a year back on your money. That's insane. And what that says to me is like that is the abysmal expectation that people have of 
the future of this country. And while they're pumping so much stimulus, so much monetary um, stimulus into the economy, you would think that would result in hyperinflation. But it actually doesn't look like that's anticipated, that it's really just they're thinking of reflation. They're thinking that this stuff is just going to like try to inflate a bubble that's bursting. I did read a great article in Mises about I'm going to talk about it tomorrow on the regular show about the Fed. It's about negative interest rates, but the Fed, the Federal Reserve started today buying corporate bonds and corporate bond ETFs, which means they're going into companies and they're subsidizing their ability to borrow. And there's a lot, a lot of implications of that. But I'll talk about that tomorrow. And for the patron 15, maybe we should give an update on the Arbery stuff. I want to tell you that if uh, if there's something in here in your garage that might burn your house down, I'll tell you what that is. And what else you got? What you got? Interesting. We still got about a minute left here. Yeah. There was another example of an act of civil disobedience that people can take away from. In Florida, there was a bunch of protesters who were protesting the fact that the gyms are still closed. So they went outside of the Capitol and they were calling for gyms to be reopened and they were out there doing squats, push-ups, and working out in front of the Clearwater Courthouse. So there's an aerial view, a video, and you can just see a bunch of people just squatting down, holding signs, <laughs> and doing push-ups on the ground. It's pretty funny. It's interesting, I thought, though, because it's like, do the thing that you want to do as a protest to be able to do the thing you want to do. Yes, so if you want to eat at a restaurant, bring a card Go table, eat at a restaurant. stage a little restaurant dining experience, have somebody play the server, whatever it is you want to do, stage that demonstration outside of the courthouse. I think that's a cool thing. I love it. That's a great idea. And I am going to talk in the patron 15 a little bit about aliens and ufos because i found something interesting related to those ufos that they released ufo videos they released from the pentagon recently and a few other pretty cool things well not cool things a few other interesting related things <laughs> it's never to the, cool we never talk about cool things yeah i guess the ufo that. would be the cool things whereas yes. the the stories about the hoax crime the hoax hate crime related to the potential oh, hate crime yeah in right. Brunswick, Georgia. I got a follow-up to that. And maybe a few other things. We'll see what we get to. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content we post every day that we post a Drive Time News Blast, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and join for five bucks a month, less than 15 cents a day. Or you can join for even higher if you want to help us keep going. And I'm going to be doing a Patreon thing with Tripoli later today, so I will post that as well when it gets done if you guys want to check that out and we will talk to you guys we have a disappearing patron party this friday thinking of which we do we have a disappearing patron party this friday i will go ahead and post something actually in the patreon today so that people get the notifications for sure by then but if people want to join the fun become a patron just yeah. before friday and they're a blast we had a lot of fun in the last few it's going to be fun we will talk to y'all share the show tuesday did we tell everybody that no, it is Share the Show Tuesday. Share it on social media. Share it with a friend. Uh, give us a review. Prop up our ability to rise in the search engines. All that stuff. It's Tuesday. That's right. Share it with a friend. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.